Welcome back to New Rockstars. This is The Big Question, the show that gives you too much information about the tiny things that live inside us forever. Hey, I'm referring, of course, to the Quantum Realm and the MCU. I'm Eric Voss here with Tommy Bechtold. How you doing, man? I'm doing good, Eric. How are you? I'm 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 hanging in. I'm All hanging right. out, hanging in. We're both missing Philip, but he'll yes. show back up again. He's with us. Uh, speaking of things that are always inside you. Oh my God! A little bit of Philip is inside each one of us. You got to stop taking those pills that he gives you. You don't know what he puts in them. <laughs> Phil pills. They're great. <laughs> they are not the sponsor of today's episode. <laughs> they're blue juice. <laughs> they're the same as blue juice. <laughs> <laughs> well, we just finished our Infinity Saga rewatch of Ant-Man and the Wasp, a movie that I very much enjoyed because it explored to date the most unexplained and confusing aspect of the MCU, the quantum realm, you know, with its inconsistent logic and rules for how fast you age in it. It's wonderful. So let's talk about this episode, Tommy. What's the big question? All right. Get yourself ready. The big question today is, how does the quantum realm work exactly? Why does Janet age differently from Scott, and are there any rules to it, or is this just an anything-goes, wild, wild west scenario? It seems like a bit of that, Tommy, because I have studied the MCU quantum realm enough to justify a doctorate thesis at this point. In fact, I I, I should get honorary degrees from every university for the amount of freaking research I've done. I agree. I I have, uh, there's got to be some way we can get you honored. Well, I have concluded as a result of my research that the quantum Quantum Realm is Marvel's big gaping plot hole that they just mm. keep throwing shit yes. into to pull off <laughs> even crazier bullshit and we just don't question it because it's called Quantum as if that matters. So a bit of history on the Quantum Realm. It was first, of course, introduced in Ant-Man when Hank Pym described it as It means that you would enter a Quantum Realm. What does that mean? It means that you would enter a reality where all concepts of time and space become irrelevant as you shrink for all eternity. At the time, though, we should remember that Hank only had a limited understanding of the quantum realm. That was just his warning of it. But really, it's it's far more complex than he even realized at that point. Uh, Why is it called the quantum realm? Well, the quantum realm was the MCU name for what's known as the microverse or microworld subatomica in the Marvel comics. It's revisited a couple times and it's kind of given different names. But they had to call it quantum realm because in 2015 the marvel microverse was the property of different studios some believe it was um owned by paramount because they had the micronauts or it might have been a fox property because of its association with the fantastic four Microworld is often visited by the fantastic four and their related characters in the comics it's like one of their settings and they use the term quantum because screenwriters love to pay stanford nerds to come in and consult on their movies and they hear words like quantum and they think oh sure we'll just call it that and the stanford consultant's like <laughs> Mm, whatever, I get to buy a Lexus with my Disney money! <laughs> and no one questions it. Yeah. Remember the movie Quantum of Solace? What yes. the hell did that title mean? It meant confusing movie title to me. I had no, no no grasp of that at all. Like, that movie seemed like Daniel Craig was trying to figure out what quantum means the whole time. Well, the concept, as described in the Ant-Man movies, is that once you shrink to a subatomic level, the uncertainty of quantum physics makes the impossible possible. So, like, time is no longer measurable, phase shifting now is possible, and of course, there are time vortexes that allow time travel. We'll get to those. But, we get a nice clarification in Doctor Strange. So, Strange briefly passes through what is actually the quantum realm during that movie's magical mystery tour sequence, Mm. and the Ancient One's voiceover calls it an example of... Worlds without end. 
some benevolent and life-giving. So this would suggest that the quantum realm is not just a smaller plane of existence that spans everywhere in our universe. Rather, it's like a separate parallel dimension to our dimension that's just accessible through extreme subatomic shrinking. So it's like when you shrink that far, you, you go through like a, a portal and now you access this other dimension that exists alongside us. Okay. <sighs> don't say okay as if you get that, because I don't get it. I don't think any of us really get it. You know what it made me think of when you learn about uh, cells, animal uh -huh. cells and plant cells, and how they have different molecular walls, and like how certain cells yeah. on a plant are spaced further apart so things can move in and out. I'm sure that that has nothing to do with it, but very briefly... I felt smart. So uh, <laughs> go ahead and leave in the comments why I'm wrong and, uh, <laughs> and why what I just said makes no sense. See, Tommy and I are both applying episodes of the Magic School Bus yes. uh, to this <laughs> where they were able to shrink small enough yeah. and walk in between cells and uh, ride white blood cells around. I think yeah. that's what happened. They would suffocate immediately from the air molecules functioning oh, yes. differently. What's that? Girl, that's a booty hole. All of them would have blood clots and yes. Ralphie and Arnold wouldn't last five seconds. <laughs> so the reason I brought up uh, the Sorcerer Supreme is because they're actually the one guru source that we can really trust in the MCU. Like, remember in Endgame, the time travel logic in that movie is all over the place. It's self-contradictory. It's coming from sources like Pimtech from Stark Tech. Bruce Banner tries to figure it out. None of them can really agree on how it really works until Bruce Banner talks to the Ancient One and she gives him that nice handy timeline of this is what happens when you branch reality. And between the two of them, they give us a pretty good understanding of how time travel works. So that is basically Marvel saying, okay, you know what? The scientists in our universe are all coming from different points, but the wizards are smarter than the scientists. So listen to the wizards. Tommy, you asked, are there rules? And I think yes. we can boil down five rules of the quantum realm so far in the MCU. So let's, let's run through those rules. All right. Rule number one is you have to access the quantum realm with PIMTECH, with PIM particles. Pim particles. So entry and exiting from the realm basically has two components. It needs a quantum tunnel that is fueled by PIM particles that are triggered by the pilot, by the person going into the realm. And you can stumble into the quantum realm by accident. Not a good idea to stumble in drunk off the beach or something. You're going to want to know what you're doing. <laughs> you could luck out by just like loosely shoving a PIM disc in your belt buckle and crossing <laughs> your fingers yeah. like Scott Lang did to get out of it. Yeah. But that's ill-advised. It's an exception to the rule, we think. Only the charmingly befuddled Paul Rudd could could fall ass backwards into that solution. <laughs> exactly. We do need pin particles. That is the magic fuel that allows you to access this. And it, it really any era of it, because we saw Cap using 1970 pin vials. So clearly those things are not enough of a, of a beta prototype. They, they work, they, mm -hmm. they help you get in and out. And we also can deduce that pin particles can be replicated and reverse engineered. So in Endgame, the 2014 era Thanos steals Good Nebula's pin vial, but He's able to get his whole fleet and army to the present day. How did he do that? Well, the, the movie's filmmakers were like, uh, they can reverse engineer it. They're, they're mm. smart enough to 
use a 3D printer to 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 make more of it. Call Obsidian is just in the lab, yeah. like <laughs> with, a, with like a montage, like walking on sunshine's playing as he's like it blows up in his face. Ebony Ma's just like you, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> then they start trying on dresses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, so rule number two. The quantum realm has what I call tricky physics in all kinds of ways, but really the physical properties are unstable and uncertain. They're applying things like the Heisenberg uncertainty principle in, in quantum mechanics that once you're trying to measure things on that subatomic level, they don't always follow our normal physics. Particles can appear in the same place at the same time. You can't really measure it. So the way they apply it in the MCU is that bodies and particles can kind of shift in and out of phases of matter like the character ghost she got hit with a blast of energy from the quantum realm and then she gained this power of her body phase shifting through surfaces Hmm. you know like she can turn into a ghost or like a projection of herself Hmm. and that ends up like making her unstable and they have to try to fix her by the end of the movie but it is worth noting that based on hank and janet's brief time together in the quantum realm it seems like gravity exists and some version of air is breathable Mm. Which doesn't make sense, Tommy, because they're between atoms and electrons. You need O2 molecules to be able to breathe and oxygenate your blood so you don't immediately suffocate and die. Uh, I think they can reverse engineer it, Eric. I think... uh, Yeah, they could just reverse engineer it. That's going to be my answer to anything way above my intelligence is just reverse engineer it. And anyone in the comments saying we're thinking too hard about it, you know... Shame on you! First off, this is the big question. Is the show where we think too hard about everything? We have important work to do. But also, if they didn't want us to overthink it, they shouldn't have had scientists spend the whole movie explaining the functionality of all this. Yeah. If it was just something like that we're using Asgardian sorcery, it's our Asgardian science, or the the science of the Sorcerer Supreme, Mm. we buy it as just magic. I would even say, like, uh, Wakanda's science is just more mystical in a way, and we're just more willing to suspend our disbelief. But if you have, like, scientists who spend all their time in a lab being the the authorities on this, of course they're going to question and get confused. Agreed. (sighs) Rule number three, Tommy, this is the, the big one, time. How does time work? Well, time does exist in the quantum realm. It flows normally because Janet Van Dyne was down there and she aged 30 years. I'm not the same woman I was 30 years ago, Henry. But why did Scott only perceive it as five hours and went five years into the future? Well, it's because within the quantum realm are separate holes called time vortexes. They're separate. These are what the Avengers use in the time heist. Not just quantum realm in general, but within the quantum realm, separate things called the time vortexes. We know they're separate from Janet's warning to Scott in the post credit scene. She said, And don't get sucked into a time vortex. We won't be able to save you. So in other words, while you're down there in the broader quantum realm, don't fall into this separate thing called a time vortex. Wasn't really clarified in Endgame, but that's what Scott did. He spent five hours in there. Towards the end of that five hours, he slipped into a time vortex, and then that savior rat reactivated the, the yes. van tech to pull him back out. Savior Rat is my favorite new mutant. All the Savior Rat comics. Even the weird ones. Even the Todd McFarlane issues <laughs> are, are, are precious to me. So time vortexes are like, I call them time slides. They're like different water slides you can dip into. And you never know. Some water slides are terrifying straight down. <laughs> Others are the windy kind. You can go on with a friend in an inner tube. Maybe try and catch a smooch if it's a lovely lady or gentleman Ooh. depending on your preference hey those tunnels are dark you don't know who you're who you hopped on the raft with yeah just pucker up and let it rip 
That's what I always say. Because you did the single rider line, yeah. and because you wanted to skip that line, your friends didn't want to go with you, so you, hopefully uh, they partner a lady with you. Yeah, we. I went to Wild Waters. I know how that works. Water parks are a great place to take a lover. I've always said that. Also a great place to, like, injure yourself. <laughs> and go into a, a lazy river full of pee. A lot of urine in the water, a lot of rashes on the arm, yeah. So Janet was there for three decades. What did she do? How did she survive that long? Well, that brings us to rule number four. The quantum realm must sustain life. Mm. So... The quantum realm consists of these quantum healing particles. This is what Janet used to repair ghosts' phase shifting. And that might be what the Ancient One meant by benevolent life-giving. It's possible that Janet never needed to eat or consume anything for nourishment. Maybe her hunger was just satisfied with these healing particles that mm. nourished her life force for this full time. Also, Janet described her survival as a kind of evolution to Hank Pym, suggesting that her sustained exposure to the quantum realm energy changed her DNA. Adaptation is part of it, but some of it is evolution. And not to get all, you know, biology 101 with you, but technically that would be adaptation. Evolution requires several generations of reproducing species to pass on their competitive traits to their offspring. But, you know, Marvel has ruined what, what actual evolution <laughs> is. Yeah. Evolution doesn't happen within one living creature over the course of their lifetime. But whatever. <sighs> Uh, also, huge detail, probably the biggest clue that has not been explored and hopefully will be explored in Ant-Man 3. There is a city, there's a freaking city hidden in the background of the quantum realm as Janet and Hank leave it. Mm. It's hard to spot, but you can see skyscrapers that appear to be in some kind of dome bubble. Now, presumably, this civilization was the source of Janet's new clothes. Like, she was wearing a cloak and a staff. Where'd she get those? She didn't go down in there with them. No. And presumably, she's already told Hank all about this. Like, maybe when they showed up at Tony Stark's funeral, the camera just didn't linger on them long enough for Michelle Pfeiffer <laughs> to grab the camera and be like, this is how I lived. She hasn't shut up about it. She's like, and you yeah. gotta go to the city. And finally, Hank Pym's just like, shut up! Shut up! I can't go to the city! I can't go! Those follow-up questions, it's insane that they were not included in yeah. the final act of Ant-Man and the Wasp. The yeah. final act should have just been everyone sitting around Michelle Pfeiffer in their living room, and she's like, okay, so yeah. year four is when I got that staff. Yeah. And I got it. On sale. By pulling a bone out of a tardigrade. <laughs> yes! Yeah, it doesn't make sense. No! Now, in the comics, Microworld does actually contain civilizations and planets, even. Dr. Doom lives down there for a period. He rules a planet called Mirwood. There's the Lizardmen of the planet Tuck that are down there. The Fantastic Four team up with Hank Pym. They later team up with Scott Lang. They venture into it. There's villains like Baron Karza and Psycho Man coming from there. There's a lot of people hanging out down there. One theory that I've seen that I think is interesting is that the ruler of that hidden city could have been Kang the Conqueror, oh. given its proximity to Tommy's time slides. Yes. And maybe he's like the seasoned navigator and he's like, ah, you want to go into the time vortex, do you? Well, I know. Hey, this slide will take you out by the lazy river. <laughs> yeah. This slide will take you out by the entrance. Yeah. So if you want to go because you ripped your bathing suit, you can get a new one at the gift shop chicken fingers and fries are half off on thursdays <laughs> he's uh, uh king the conqueror is just a lifeguard he's, yeah this is a summer job for him <laughs> but he's he's getting lots of tail his name tag just says brett <laughs> furthermore on this point of life in the quantum realm wildlife does exist in the quantum realm tardigrades these yes. little water bears and tommy this doesn't make any sense because tardigrades are real biological creatures yes but their size they're way bigger in real life they range from 
0.1 millimeter to 1.5 millimeter, they're visible with the naked eye. They're not mm. subatomic. Presumably, here's my theory to justify this. I think Janet, when she was first shrunk and went down to the quantum realm in the 80s, she also grabbed a couple tardigrades with her yeah. as she was shrinking, maybe threw some PIM discs on those. Handfuls of tardigrades. Yeah, she was just trying to latch on to something, and they shrunk down with her, and then they they now mated and populated the, the yep. quantum realm as like their as their cattle. Tardigrade. And our final rule, the quantum realm can affect and be affected by events in our dimension and vice versa. So I mentioned how the flow of time is the same unless mm. you go into a time vortex. Well, Janet was able in real time to communicate with Scott, planting a memory in his mind. And he just thought it was like a strange dream. But then later she like inhabited his body, putting an antenna in his head, like, like Patrick Swayze and Whoopi Goldberg and Ghost. You in danger, Hank Pym. And <laughs> it was just this weird thing. Uh, but that was all in real time. Like your next door neighbor um, putting their mind in yours. They're parallel. Also, we found out finally that Scott Lang was vulnerable to Thanos' snap. He just got lucky. According to the Russos, he was lucky that he wasn't one of the ones dusted by the snap. But he could have disintegrated. And really, if you think about it, the whole universe was lucky because Scott's survival in the quantum realm was the thing that led to our discovery of these time slides that allowed them to steal the infinite stones from the past and reverse everything. So, yeah. in conclusion, Tommy, Whew. the quantum realm, I believe, is just a randomness land that so far just exists to justify whatever crazy bullshit the MC wants to do. It'd be fine if they embrace the like magic and sorcery side of it, but they keep trying to use science. It's science. To make it make sense. And really they're like moving the goalposts constantly on those scientific limits and what the yes. rules are on it. So instead of a cool cavern of mystery that it could be, currently it's just like a plot hole factory that just clogs our mailbox with questions, which we're happy to answer. It, which is, gives us a purpose, which I appreciate. It reminds me of when you have a generally clean apartment, but there is that one closet that you've just said, screw it, and you throw <laughs> everything into. So there's like cookware, sporting goods, old t-shirts a bowling ball all of your files from your taxes for five years like there's just no rhyme or reason to props the for your sketch team that you bought for that one month you needed a knight of armor <laughs> chest plate that you thought you would get three uses out of and never got another one my, my kylo ren mask and massive sword that i gave you that i have I, never returned to recover i think i still have it i keep trying to find you to give it back it's not your <laughs> fault it's my fault completely i'm like this part i was thinking about the other day because i needed the kylo red mask for a, like a bit thing oh, no. but i didn't need it um, when i say need it an idea occurred to me for five seconds where i was like oh i can have my roommate send me my kylo red mask and do a sketch but i don't <laughs> we this is something we can solve off the air and another time but i, I just feel bad because i'm like oh i've had eric just lugging around a sword and mask years probably a year and a half now oh my god insane anyway we interrupt this program to bring you a special report i don't know what's real or not just like you don't know whether it's real if that bulge in the front pocket is an actual wallet or not because you got a ridge by the way thanks to the ridge wallet for sponsoring this episode the ridge helps you carry what you need every day from their flagship ridge wallet to their portable charging commuter backpack they want you to make the most out of what you're bringing with you the ridge wallet is made out of military grade materials like titanium carbon fiber there's a clean stylish design. It is chainsaw proof. Yes, someone tried to fight this with a chainsaw and they lost. This one is their matte cobalt wallet. They do have other colors, include some very flashy tiki designs. It is light, it's strong. If you're wearing jeans like I always do and you're running through the rain, the blue from your jeans just blends in with the blue of the cobalt. I love this thing. 
Woo! Bridge makes it easy to buy with free shipping and free returns and a lifetime guarantee. It's got 30,000 five-star reviews, so you know they're doing something right. They also have great backpacks and travel bags with RFID blocking pockets and optional device charging batteries. Get 10% off today with free worldwide shipping and returns by going to ridge.com slash newrockstars. That's ridge.com slash newrockstars and use the code newrockstars. Find the link in the video's description. And now, our feature presentation. All right, let's move on to some more bite-sized questions that Tommy's going to take for us. Tommy, are you ready? I'm ready. I'm hungry. Hungry for knowledge. I'm ready! See, Aaron Mike asks, Why did Cap, Natasha, and Scott go to Tony Stark first in Endgame, when if they recruited Bruce Banner first, they might have had better luck convincing Tony? You know... Eric, that's a great question. As always, when, uh, when I'm posed with fantastic questions, I go to the internet. Take a spin, now you're in with the techno set. You're going surfing on the internet. Frogs! And I had come up with a very nuanced answer about Captain America and Iron Man playing kind of four-dimensional chess with each other and, like, Captain America trying to goad the best out of Tony Stark. But in the end, the good old internet provides us with the actual answer to this question, which is, in an interview with the screenwriters, Marcus and McFeely, they simply said they needed to go to Tony Stark first so that he could refuse the call and kind of reject mm. the Avengers, which he was responsible for originally, along with Nick Fury, assembling, only to be reminded of the great loss uh, by seeing a picture of his surrogate son spider-man peter parker and uh feel the compulsion to both problem solve and rejoin the avengers and so i think yeah it just comes down to screenwriting 101 you know the hero uh, needs to have some adversity before seizing his ultimate destiny and a crisis of faith if you will and tony stark was questioning his place in the universe and it's way more interesting to have him initially say i'm out i'm not helping anymore i'm just going to accept the fact that half of the universe is gone leveling yourself with grief a, a situation of loss where you just kind of the acceptance they say is often important when it's a metaphysical universal snap destroying half of all life i think the acceptance of loss can be a little more pliable than if you know your cat gets hit by a fire truck or something like that's probably you're probably not going to be able to get him back with a time slide as much as you want especially when it was firemen who hit it they're unimpeachable they're just so hunky anyone that can get away with suspenders and no shirt underneath good lord i don't know mr november was driving oh i'm not gonna bring a lawsuit against him yeah, i'm not even mad i'm actually just kind of happy to get a chance to talk to him all right so yeah so the answer just comes down to uh a technical decision made by the screenwriters and you know what yeah i think that's a great answer and sometimes characters just aren't at the top of their intelligence they're just so excited to try to reach out to the first person they'd want to talk to yeah. without really thinking of like the strategy of the game plan right. of which order they're going to talk to people yeah. characters are human you know they're not they don't always have a god's eye view of everything you want to run and tell dad T T Tony is like Tony is like the papa. He's the Philip of that group, you know. They want to run to tell their father, get his both approval of the mission and and his participation. So yeah. Next bite size, uh, MIT Hun or Mitt Hun six nineteen PV asks, what happens if Deadpool or Wolverine are decapitated? This is a uh, a fun one. First of all, you got to remember two things: Deadpool regenerates. Wolverine yeah. heals. So in Deadpool 2, mm. when he's grief-stricken over his gorgeous girlfriend's assassination, Deadpool attempts to blow himself up, and we see 
his head completely detached from everything else, including a middle finger. And then in the next scene, yeah. he's 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 healed and he is he has regrown. Yeah. In the comics, his head gets cut off all the time. A baby's body will dangle down from it. <laughs> you decapitate Deadpool, it's like Deadpool. You like clipping a fingernail for him. The fingernail is growing back. So he, unfortunately, sure. if you're looking to kill Deadpool, you're gonna have to get more creative than decapitation because he will regenerate. Uh, okay, so he's like a starfish. Like Patrick Star. No, this is Patrick. But Wolverine is a little more complicated because there doesn't seem to be a consensus. You know, Wolverine has healing factors in Civil War. Literally, he gets burned all the way down to his adamantium skeleton and then regenerates from just a skull and bones, but he never gets mm -hmm. decapitated. In another, I believe, Ultimate Marvel comic book, they have his head literally hanging by a, like a couple of muscle fibers, and he oh, yeah. heals. So it appears as though they're suggesting if he were to become completely decapitated, he would actually die, but they never prove that. And in another issue of uh, Ultimate Marvel, Nick Fury explains to a different uh, dimension's Wolverine that in his dimension, they actually cut Wolverine's head off and deprived it of oxygen. And all the head did was go into stasis until they supplied it with oxygen again. And then it began to live and succeed on its own. Now, he won't regrow a body, but if you cut his head off, it will continue to stay alive. So there's not a clear-cut answer. It appears as though the majority of the comic books would have you believe if his head is separated from his body he will die but there are literal marvel uh series that have it <laughs> explained that if you cut his head off he won't so it's kind of one of those things where pick which run of a wolverine character you're getting in and uh roll the dice on whether or not you'd cut his head off i wouldn't mess with him either way because i love him. he's canadian yep i think the answer to that one is uh deadpool obviously is is okay because he can always regenerate but yes. wolverine now that he's gonna probably be joining the mcu a yep. pg-13 world and isn't Deadpool who gets that exception for him probably won't have such gruesomeness happen to him anyway. All right, moving on to our third and final bite size. Antisocial Kid X asks, would Tony Stark have died when he snapped against Thanos if he was wearing his Hulkbuster armor? This is a great question. And this was a lot of fun to look up because at first I was really like, yeah, this is kind of like the Jerry Seinfeld, why not make the whole airplane out of the black box? It's the only thing that survives a crash. Why don't they build the whole plane out of the black box? I know. I mean, that's right. If Hulk can snap the gauntlet and, and use the time stones and not be destroyed with the Hulkbuster, but the other thing you have to remember is the Hulkbuster is not a replica of Hulk. It's a something meant to battle Hulk. It's supposed to replicate the mm. indestructible nature of Hulk, but from physical, tangible forces mm. getting hit getting blasted with with missiles and bullets and being able to fall from great heights being able to be mm. thrown up against you know immovable objects but it's not immune to gamma radiation it's 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 not it's not lead lined that would make it way way too heavy even with hydraulic lifts and the things that make the iron man suit able to you know probably weigh more than tony stark and still fly and move all around to actually build an entire hulkbuster suit out of lead it would just be completely impractical it would be like yeah. having incredible hulk with concrete around his ankles that actually somehow stopped him and that he wouldn't break through and hulk himself says when he's smart hulk when he snaps everyone back he says i was literally made for this you know because he can That's absorb right. the gamma yeah. radiation he's made from gamma radiation 
So mm-hmm. the reason the Hulk suit would not save Tony Stark is maybe he would li- have lived longer. Maybe he would have sustained less damage. But ultimately, I believe he would have had what would be a lethal dose of gamma radiation. And even if he had lived more than just a day, it wouldn't have been more than a month beyond that that he would have lived. So I think temporarily yeah. it could have been maybe extended his life, but he would not have been able to survive. We saw um, Chernobyl. We know the yep. timeline after you get exposed to that stuff. No! God, please, no! Tony should be happy he died as quickly as he did. I think for merciful deaths that was probably easier yes for sure all right well thank you everyone for submitting those questions we have time for one more mailbag question let's see here we go what is the worst job or gig that you had i've you know i have really had so many jobs in my life i started working when i was 14 And from that point on, I've usually had two or three jobs. Most of them have been fantastic, but I really think my first job ever was my worst job. I worked on a farm. The hours were crazy. It was like 5 a.m. till whenever they decided you could go. I made $4.55 an hour. I had to get a work permit from Wegmans, the the grocery store, that would allow me to work as a 14-year-old. My parents had to sign. And my job was literally bagging 10 pound bags of potatoes weighing them making sure they were exactly 10 pounds as if i had any control over how to make a potato that without cutting it weigh less than so basically like somehow jengaing in uh you know a dozen potatoes or whatever (laughs) to make a 10 pound bag of potatoes all while being yelled at by the absolutely insane owner of the farm also the migrant workers that were far ahead of me and had been working there for years and just didn't like anyone coming in let alone like a little white kid so it was like i (laughs) i was fighting a real uphill battle and i was not little but you know what i mean i just remember i did it for way too long way way like like months and months and months and finally one day just getting sick of getting yelled at i took a bag of potatoes and i tossed them at the guy who was in charge of me sealed up and then he caught them and i ran while he was so surprised that they were there i ran out the front door and i ran about a half a mile all the way to where i lived away from the farm and i was like so sure that like the cops were gonna come as if there would be a a real reaction like i hid like i was in a crouch in my living room (laughs) like in a defensive pose like when the cops burst through i'm gonna fight my way out and you know it was true insanity, but that job really broke me <laughs> mentally. So I, I remember <laughs> running away. And I remember my both my being like, my parents are going to kill me, and then both being like, you should have quit that months ago. They're like, we were really impressed that you stuck with it, but like, what a horrible job. So I, I love how parents like they know they know yeah. that we're taking these shit jobs, mm-hmm. but they just kind of let us discover how bad it is ourselves, so that yeah. you know it builds character and we learn to to make different choices for sure and it also taught me that i could really if the circumstances around the job mattered enough i could put up i mean i put up with some real stinkers of jobs in la like horrible horrible bosses i've worked for for production companies that are just psychopaths and i'm like Uh nothing is worse than bagging potatoes i'm sitting at a desk at least i'm at a computer desk occasionally checking instagram in between these like crazy you know entitled rants from these people like nothing is as bad as that manual labor all day (laughs) so mine's very very similar my worst job was my first job and i was like around the same age i was 15 or 16 Mm. and i worked at a boy scout summer camp 
which I took the job because I had friends who had done it the previous summer. They're like, it's so great. You're, you're a camp counselor. Mm-hmm. You, you're like king of this world. Everyone else is your age. And if you're in Boy Scouts, you get also to take merit badge classes and get to Eagle Scout faster. Mm-hmm. And the pay isn't great, but like you're getting food. It's like you're just camping all summer. It's great. I made the mistake of working in the dining hall, oh. which is the one job there that actually sucks. Because yeah. you don't get to hang out. You're constantly working yeah. from like 6.45 in the morning through like 9.30 at night. Ugh. And you get paid a day rate and it's shit. I think we got paid a week rate. And I like, I had that thing of when you get your first job and you don't get your actual first paycheck until like the pay period later. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. I've been working for a month and I have nothing to show for it. <laughs> And when you finally get it, it's like, here's $180 yes. after oh. a month. It's so depressing. Like, what? <laughs> you like look at your hands. And then you go to the, the payroll guy and he's like, that's what it is. You're we like, actually made a mistake. Oh. It was only supposed to be $160. <laughs> yeah. He just tears off a quarter of the check. And, huh? <laughs> um, but uh. I remember, like you, the people who I worked for were all just kind of crazy. Because yeah. they were all overworked too. And they mm-hmm. just picked these petty battles. At one point I was cutting carrots and I let it roll. And it like cut my finger. But I still had to work the shift yeah. of working this pressure steam washer. Yeah. It was like, I'm handling what's supposed to be sanitary things. And I have a bloody cut in my finger. And I'm doing my best to wrap it up. Put a glove around it. But right. like, steamy water is leaking down to the glove. At one point I lifted up my glove. And it was just like a blood balloon. Oh. On my hand, it was like, ah! oh god! And none of the other guys wanted to work the shift. They're like, you still—it's your turn, boss. You still have to do it. Oh my god! But to me, the scariest part of the job was the first week. Actually, wasn't that bad because they closed down the camp just to open it up to a couple Latter Day Saint troops. Mm-hmm. It's just like three different Mormon troops of the nicest, sweetest kids yeah. in the world. They cleaned up after themselves. They were polite to you and they had to hand back their tray to the washroom. Mm. If they didn't want a food, they wouldn't have you put it on their tray because they didn't want to make the extra mess for you. Right. The nicest kids in the world. (laughs) And I'm like, this is great. If this is how it is all summer, it's not that bad of a gig. Week two, though, everything changed (laughs) right away. And our dining hall director pulled me aside. She's like, boss, you're going to have to set up the cereal bar in the morning. And you do not look them in the eye outside the window. And I said, why not? And she's like, you just do what I said, boy. And I was like, huh? So I go out there. It's like 7 in the morning. I'm just bleary-eyed. And I'm putting out the cereal and the milks and everything. Mm-hmm. And in the corner of my eye, I see an adult leader of one of the groups with his to-go coffee mug. Oh, God. And he's, just, and he's just staring at me. And I'm like, I'm not supposed to look at him. But then I make the mistake of looking over. And he points at his mug. Because he wants, yeah. normally, like, each of the troops are supposed to be brought in at a specific order based uh, off of, like, privileges and things like that. And he wanted special treatment to be brought in early to get coffee so that he could wake up and not have to wait 20 minutes <laughs> to be brought in. And we're not allowed to do that. And she didn't tell me why. And I just looked at him and I'm, like, pretending like I couldn't hear him. But I could totally hear him. It's, like, oh, half an inch of glass. And he's, like, hey, let me in. I want to get coffee. And I just had to ignore him. And then, like, he stood there. <laughs> watching me as I was setting up the cereal bar and he just like wraps the mug against the window like Freddy (laughs) Krueger just like dragging it back and forth then I have to go work the line of scooping eggs onto his tray and he saw us he's like hey you saw me 
why didn't you let me in? And I said, I, I was told not to. And he said, who told you? And I look over at my dining hall director and she just like shakes her head like, do not rat me out. It is your job to take the fall for this. And I'm like, it's just against policy. And then he treated me like shit for the rest of the week. And he told all of his troop to not bother cleaning up their mess. Like, oh my no, God. leave your tray there. It's the help's job to pick it up. Like, Ugh. it was the worst. This man in his 40s. Yeah. But I'm telling you, like, with their Boy Scouts, a lot of these adult leaders, they're not the best people. Some no. of them are really cool. Yep, Some of them I are agree. just dads who get dragged into it and they hate their job. Mm -hmm. And they had a rough time when they were enlisted in the army. And mm -hmm. now they're trying to, like, be mean to young boys who need tough love. Yeah. And that's their whole value. And yeah. um, it's, it's, you know, it's a mixed bag. Yeah, it's kind of sad. You got out of it, though, Eric. We survived. <laughs> hey, look at us now. Getting paid to lose sleep and break down Marvel trail. That's right. <laughs> hey, it, it did build character, you know? Yeah. I, I learned that I never want to go work that kind of job again. And I learned that I can tell you exactly how much a group of potatoes weighs. Like, I'll let you know if it's more <laughs> or less than 10 pounds. You get me a, a stack of potatoes, I'll tell you how much it weighs. Well, hey... Uh, this has been great. That's our show. Reminder that you can join our official Discord by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash newrockstars. And you can ask us these questions directly. We're more likely to see them on our Discord than we are on Twitter or in the comments of videos. You can also get an audio version of the show by subscribing to New Rockstars. Big question wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to Tommy for joining us and stepping in with, Anytime. Uh, with those great stories. My pleasure, Eric. Always a pleasure to get a chance to talk to you. Thank you for having me. And now I will never throw a bag of potatoes at you because it will trigger you. <laughs> You can't use my tactics against me. <laughs> uh, thanks again to everyone for submitting questions. You can also mail us your questions at our P.O. Box. Follow me at EA Voss. Follow Tommy at Tommy Bechtold. And to follow New Rockstar on social, subscribe here on YouTube to get too much information on all the stuff you care about. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs>